Back to 1 Peter, chapter number 4. Back to 1 Peter. It's been a good day in the Lord. It's been a good day. I'm glad that uh, I'm saved and in the family of God. And uh, no other group of people I'd rather be with today than you people that are here tonight. I love you. And I appreciate all of you. And thank, so thankful that you're here. And so thankful God's allowed me the opportunity to be here and to pastor here. It's a great privilege, a great blessing to me uh, that I don't take very lightly. Um, you know, we get into some of this as we've gone from 1 Peter 4, and we begin to look at, um, you know, the various aspects. We went to Nehemiah and the burden that Nehemiah had. And uh, the burden, I think about, that God's placed on my heart for you people. Uh, God didn't put a burden on my heart for this building. Uh, understand what I'm saying. I love the building. Uh, I, I'm thankful for, and many of you still here, but many that have gone on and worked and labored and gave to provide us this beautiful building. But uh, God didn't burden me down with, with the building, right? He burdened me for you, for people. And um, the church which is at Harriman. So I thank God for that. I thank God for a burden. We need a burden in these days. And we're going to look back a little bit, but let's catch up a little bit in 1 Peter 4, and then we'll go back to Nehemiah and continue on just a little bit. I'm not going to go through Nehemiah. We are, we are going to finish 1 Peter 4 um, within the next eight months. All right? So we'll start here just to catch you up now. As to where we are, uh, I'm going to have to get glasses before long. I'm having a hard time seeing. Uh, but now we've started out, we, are, we have been, we've looked at the walk of the Christian, the way to conduct works that must continue, the washing of the conscience, and we've gotten down to chapter 4 and the warfare that is considered. I don't like to be repetitive, but maybe you were writing some of this down or wanted to, so I just wanted to give it to you in case you weren't here. Uh, but in verse number one, in this warfare that is to be considered, uh, we looked at arming your mind. You must arm your mind in this battle, in this warfare, and uh, we'll have to do that every day. Uh, arrest your members. We're going to have to bring our bodies under subjection again to the will of God every day. Paul said, I die daily. Anticipate the Messiah. Every day we get up is another day closer to Jesus being here. And so every day we should look with fresh vision and fresh, fresh anticipation of the coming of our Savior and say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that just makes you an unbeliever then. Now, anticipate, that was a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. Uh, anticipate the Messiah. Any man that have this hope in himself, that's our hope, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ in verse number four. Then we got to verse number seven, began to talk about acting from the manifold grace of God uh, and how the, the work that we do and how we labor in the church uh, should be work that uh, as man has been given and enabled by God uh, is how we are to operate. He said, uh, the end of all things is at hand. Be sober and watch unto prayer. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Use hospitality. Verse 10, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Can I say this politely? I heard one time somebody that uh, had a real burden. They were just one of the finest ladies that I knew uh, and know. Uh, but uh, how do you say that? They couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Is that a nice way to say it? Do y'all know what I'm talking about when I say they can't carry a tune in a bucket? 
Okay. Uh, but there was still, God still blessed that thing when they sang. It was a blessing. I mean, as God has given you the ability to do it, use your abilities for God. And don't, don't undercut yourself as though you can't be effective. I've seen people uh, and preachers not be very gifted in, in, in te- and, and how they're able to tell stories and how they're able to present. Uh, I believe it was J. Harold Smith that used to read his messages from paper. But man, the altars would be full and God would honor uh, his messages. So uh, don't look at your own abilities or your lack of abilities. God, I have a speech problem, right? Just, just do what God's instructed you to do. He's got something for all of us to do. And uh, don't undercut yourself. You're all important to the body and God's got something for us all to do. So we looked at acting from uh, the manifold and then we come on down now. As we got through all those things, and I sat down to rename this, and I'll rename it later, but I titled this beginning in verse number 12 of 1 Peter 4, Appreciate the Miserable. Now let me explain that just a little bit. Uh, Suffering is misery. Suffering is miserable, right? And so uh, you don't have to be miserable in the suffering. That's not what I said. In fact, we, the Bible says, to rejoice and be thankful in the suffering. And uh, as soon as you've got that mastered, I want you to come show me how, okay? We all struggle with that. And uh, so, but it's something we're commanded to do. We're commanded to rejoice and to be thankful in all things. Uh, So start with me in verse number 12, and then we'll move on. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing. Notice what that didn't say. Sometimes that's just as important. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to destroy you. But does it not feel that way sometimes? You're going through something and you think, God is actively trying to kill me. (laughs) Anybody ever been there and thought that? God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do to you? Anybody ever thought like that? That's not what the fiery trial is not meant to destroy you. It's not meant to hurt you. Uh, Trials are allowed into your life for God's eternal purposes, and they're not meant to destroy you. Uh, You can allow them to destroy you if you want to, uh, but that's not their intention. Uh, They're intended upon, think it not strange, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. As one man said, a faith that's not been tested cannot be trusted. And I believe that's right. I've heard people say, I tell you one thing. I've heard them say, I've heard them say to me, Brother Clint, I'll be with you to the end. I love you. That lasts about six months. They didn't realize until they were tried how much their heart, where their heart really was. Peter, these others might do it, Jesus, but I guarantee you I won't. And then what happened? See, he didn't even know his own heart. The heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Be careful big statements you make. I'll tell you one thing. I've heard men say this. i tell you what. My kids won't never do that. Oh, yeah, they'll probably be the first ones going to do it. Be careful. You just put a target on their back. I'll never do it. I'll never do You better be careful saying that, right? You don't ever know. I don't know what I'm capable of. I mean, I, I do know, I do know that to the degree of what I'm capable of, um, but I, I don't really know all that I'm capable of until I'm tried, right? 
God doesn't need to try you to see whether or not you are there for Him, whether you love Him, whether you believe Him. He knows all things perfectly. God doesn't learn anything about you as you progress through these trials. It's you that's learning. It's you that's in school, right? And so God's not testing your faith to see whether or not that it's going to pass the grade. Uh, God is trying to reveal some things about me and you. I've been through so many things in my life I would have never dreamed. I, I, I mean, you, you, it's, it's not that you're prideful, or it's not, but you could never see yourself uh, doing that. Never could see yourself getting mad at your pastor, could you? Never could imagine that I would do that. I promise you, I'll never get mad at you. Um, yeah, just give it a little time. Why? Because he's a man of subject like passions as you are, and he's going to do something that's going to rub you the wrong way. And so these things happen. These things, you don't think about them. You don't, you don't want them to happen. But as trials come into your life, now those are minute things I'm talking about here. He's talking about the fiery trial, which is to try you. And I believe there comes a time and a point in a person's life, and maybe many, but there's definitely one of the trying of their faith. And uh, so just be careful. We covered most of that, uh, but I just wanted to catch us back up exactly where we are. So think it not strange. You're not the only one in the world going through something um, or going through even what you are going through now in some aspect or another. Someone, somewhere, even your Savior has been through it, right? That he might be able to succor them, which are also tempted. Being tempted in all points, like as well. That he may succor, that he may be a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Jesus knows what you're dealing with. Now, uh, I may not understand it, but uh, the Lord does. Now, verse number 12, we ended there, uh, but we're still in this idea of talking about the suffering. And so, verse number 13, he says, But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that we when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so that just brings up one uh, thought to my mind. I got to thinking about that crown of life. And uh, we know those many crowns. I'm not going to go through all the crowns, but uh, that one crown that's for the faithful few that can uh, get through those fiery trials and come out the other side. There's a crown, the Bible says, a man that is tempted. Look at uh, James chapter number one, and then we'll look at Revelation. Just look quickly with me, if you would, at James chapter number one. I don't want to misquote this. James chapter number one, he said, I even probably wrote this down somewhere, but one day when I learn to use notes, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, read from them. But James chapter number one in verse number 12. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he every man. And goes on and talks about every man's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Uh, but that verse, verse number 12 said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. 
temptations and trials and things come your way and you endure and you get through those things. I don't know about you, but I want some crowns on the other side. This is an eternal life. These are crowns that we can lay down at Jesus' feet. These are crowns that, uh, that he rewards us with that we can just lay back down at his feet. There's all kinds of different, the soul winner's crown and the shepherd's crown. There's various crowns in the Bible, but here it talks about one that endureth temptation, that when he's tried, the Lord will give him a crown of life. And uh, this is kind of what he's begun to deal with from verse 13 and on down. He's going to talk about this trying of your faith, these uh, temptations that come along in your life, these sufferings uh, that when you are, his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So these people that uh, are causing suffering in your life and uh, those people that wonder at uh, why do you spend all your time and money and effort? Why do you dress like that? Why are you so uh, uh, faithful to church all the time? You spend all your money down there. You spend your time down there always praying for them people, always carrying Bible tracts, always talking about Jesus. You've just wasted your time. You could have made a lot of money, uh, put, put all that money in the stock market and made it big, could have owned a business, could have been successful. And, and, the, and the world scoffs at you and laughs at you and mocks you and makes fun of you. But there's coming a day, Brother Nathan, that they'll understand exactly why that we do what we do. When his glory shall be revealed in heaven, every eye shall see him. And they'll understand then exactly why. And we'll be exceedingly glad uh, at, at his revelation. Why? Uh, because then we'll be able to say, this is why I did what I did. This is who I did all that for. I didn't do it for you. I didn't do it for your pats on the back. I didn't. I did it in spite of all of that. Uh, there's, a, there's a connection that we have. You ever hear about men talking about uh, war and being in a foxhole with somebody fighting the battles and uh, they have a connection there. They were both shot at by the same enemy. They were uh, both hiding and, 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 and fighting back, shooting back at the same enemy. They, uh, they share a common bond there. It's the same thing uh, that we are partakers of Christ's suffering. Uh, we suffer in this world because of who he is. He suffered because of who he is and we suffer because of who he is. But there's coming a day when all that suffering will be over. His glory shall be revealed and we'll be exceedingly glad. Yeah, wonderful. The world don't understand it now, but they're going to. You may be sitting here tonight going, hey, you people are absolutely crazy. Well, I'm like Brother Allen said, if I'm dreaming, please don't shake my hand after the service and wake me up. Amen. <laughs> Just let me dream on, brother. <laughs> Just let me dream on. Amen. So rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. I believe Revelation talks about that crown of life as they suffered, was it 10 days? They, uh, anyhow, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, you can read it there, talks about that crown of life. You and me, we're going to be glad. We can be glad now, but there's exceeding joy going to be coming when Jesus' glory is revealed. Can you imagine what all that is? All the glory of what he is. That God says now in your mortal body, if you were to see it, it would kill you. Now, I can't imagine that. He's so glorious that if you were to lay your eyes on it, it'd kill you dead. 
Now, I don't understand what all that means, but all, all I know is I want to see it one day and live, don't you? Now, I've seen his glory to a degree, but I mean, I want to see it. I want to see that on the mountain of transfiguration. Remember, we talked about uh, that uh, transfigure, how the inside was brought to the surface. His glory was manifested on the outside. I mean, I want to see all that he is with no veil upon it. See, the, uh, we, we know those that got to see his hinder parts, right? And look what happened to them. One day we'll be able to behold all of his glory and all of what and who he is. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? I want to see him face to face. Cody, I want to look my eyes, uh, behold, just like Job said, and not another. His feet are going to stand again on the Mount of Olives. He's going to stand on this earth in the latter day. You're going to see him. I hope he's your Savior now. It'll be too late in that day. Or God's dealing with somebody this morning about salvation and it just breaks your heart. You know God's dealing with them. And, and you know, I've often said it, but if I could get down on my knees and beg them to get saved, I'd do it. If I thought it'd help, I'd do it. Look at me and you. Look at what's promised to us when his glory is revealed. Exceeding joy. That's what we've got to look forward to. But not so for those that aren't saved. There'll be no exceeding joy. There be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's an awful thought, and it's sobering thought. Do we really believe there's a hell? I often wonder that. I wonder if I really believe it like the Bible says it is. Jesus says it's so bad. I don't know how you put it in any worse terms than this. Jesus said hell is so bad, you'd be better off to pull your own eyeball out and enter it in maimed than to go home into hell. You'd be better off pluck your eyeballs out than to let your eyeballs take you to hell. Now that's a sobering statement. That you would be better off to reach in and pull your eyeballs out of their sockets than to go to the place that's prepared for you tonight. If you're not saved. Sounds pretty bad to me. And if it's that bad, me and you ought to do everything we can to get in the way of somebody going. Does it trouble you? I want, I want to get to that. I, I didn't want to touch much on that. I want to go back to Nehemiah. But I, I just, let me just touch just a minute on this here. We're looking at verse number 14 now. He said, but rejoice in as much as you partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. I believe David was one that said, you know, he didn't want to offer anything to God, didn't cost him anything. And uh, I, I, I tell you, if Jesus suffered and it's appointed to everybody else to suffer, I want to do my suffering with him. I want to choose rather to suffer the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Is that not what Nehemiah did too? Nehemiah done the same thing. And let's look at him. But if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. In the manner in which you uh, handle your suffering can make a big difference in someone else's life. I've seen people suffer and go through things and people mistreat them. And it certainly doesn't glorify God how they reacted now, the other person's in the wrong for mistreating you, 
but uh, you eye for an eye, getting them back, bad-mouthing them, doing all that stuff, uh, they certainly didn't see Jesus in you, right? You can shake your head at least. Boy, we need to suffer right. We need to suffer right. He's taught us so much of that in this book, so I don't want to go into that. But what I want to look at quickly, turn back with me now. Let's look at Nehemiah. Take about 15 minutes, and let's look at Nehemiah. I want to look at a couple of things here. A very well-known portion of Scripture, obviously, uh, that's being dealt with here. But I just want to look at some things on the surface. I'm not delve too deep into the... Uh, uh, things. I just practically want to look uh, at some things that go on here. Uh, and we know, just to catch you up here just a little bit, uh, we're looking here in, in Nehemiah chapter number one. Uh, we kind of know what's happened a little bit. Uh, the uh, Nehemiah has heard from his brethren uh, about the reality of what's going on uh, in, in, uh, in Israel uh, and Jerusalem at the time, excuse me. And uh, in verse number three, he said, they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And uh, so we know just a little bit in the outset of what's going on. We know at this time they have, they have finished the temple. Uh, the foundation got started when the first 50,000 went over uh, in the book of Ezra. And then you have through, say, chapter 6 or so with Haggai and, Zach- and Zechariah uh, helping the rebuilding and fil- finishing uh, the job that they started. And then Ezra's raised up by verse number 7, goes back uh, and does what God God's called him to do, and Esther filling in the gaps in between the two. Then we get to the book of Nehemiah with everything that has been rebuilt. And one thing I thought about today is God didn't raise up a man already at Jerusalem. He raised up somebody else that wasn't there, somebody afar off looking in on this situation. And he sees uh, Nehemiah gets a true report of what's really happened down in Jerusalem. And he gets the true ugly picture of the state of affairs of where they are at. And, uh, and I know I said this last time, but again, we need to remember, we need to face the reality of our situation. Uh, we need God to awaken us to just how bad the situation is. Uh, and and uh, our churches in our day uh, are in desperate need of revival. They're in desperate need of the move of God. They're in a desperate need. Our young people need to not hear any more stories as it was some kind of ancient memory. They need to see God sweep through a community and move again uh, like some of you old timers have seen before. Uh, and so we need that. And if we look around, uh, what's the, the reality of the situation is not only is that not happening, not many people at all, even in the church, in churches, are even concerned that that's not happening. Right? We've filled prayer time with uh, various uh, different uh, uh, things that we can entertain ourselves with, and there's not much of a concern, really, uh, that God's not moving like He used to. And I, and I thought about it today. I, I, I don't even as a lost man, when somebody preached on hell, it scared me to death. There's not much fear of God before people's eyes. I've heard old timers say, you could preach on hell like that, and you preach hell, and they'd be people on the alt- altars would be full of people. You'd even have at least Christians concerned praying for other lost people. That's few and far between anymore. 
We need more of it, but I, I, I'll tell you, this is how bad a shape we're in. And this, in this church, I see more people on the altar in this church. I'm talking about saved people now. Saved people on God's altar, uh, praying for lost loved ones, burdened over the situation of their family. I see more of that in this church than I see in most churches I go in anymore. You know, most people, most church people are, are they're scared to death if they go down there, somebody's going to think they've got a problem. Well, the bad news is we already know you've got a problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, if you're in this building tonight, you've got a problem. I'm a prophet. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was going to say if you've got hair tonight, you've got a problem. But that might be, some of us might be. Right? If you're breathing, you've got problems. And most Baptist churches, they would, they wouldn't, they won't, they won't use the altars. They, they won't, they, they won't get down the. They're not. We're not even burdened. We're, we'll say that we are. We'll tell others that we are. Sometimes I even wonder if some people don't just say it so it looks like they care. When the reality is they really don't care because they don't do no praying about it. They wouldn't shed a tear over it. <laughs> How many tears do you see shed of people worried about sinners being saved? It tears my heart out. It rips my heart out that you don't see people hardly saved in churches anymore. And when you do, they just come down, flop down, make a little old profession, and then you don't see them. They'll come back to church once or twice, get a little more entertainment, and then they get them, they, they get them some kind of uh, something out in the world, and they're off to the beach, and they're off to the parks, and they're off to the lake. I don't know, I don't know of a salvation that teaches. I, I just don't by experience. They didn't send the, C, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the undercover IFB agents after me when I got saved. You had to keep me out of there. And I'm not the standard. I'm just saying, I don't understand what it's like to say you got saved and then you don't ever show back up at church anymore. I don't understand that. <laughs> well, I'm saying, well, I don't know about that. Now, what should burden our hearts is, though, we really don't care. A lot of people really don't care anymore. How many burdens do you hear right now on, on your prayer list? How many burdens do you have? How many, how many people are burdened down? I'm talking about a burden like Nehemiah had. You realize there was four months that passed from 1-1 one, one to 2-1. Four months he carried this burden for his people. He, the, he said in his prayer, day and night, I'm praying to you, God, and here's what I want you to do. Burdened because of the situation of his own church. I'm calling it a church. Don't crucify me for that, please. Burdened over Jerusalem. No, most people are just upset that I've not done more with the young people. Boy, it got quiet on that one, didn't it? You know how many of them have called me and said, Boy, Brother Clint, how can I help get some sinners in there, see somebody say? I'm going to write it down. If I don't have a pen, I was going to write a big zero down. Zero. They'll complain about business meetings. They'll complain about this. They'll complain about that. Not heard of one of them ever call me with a real burden over somebody not saved. You don't have to amen that because you let your buddy talk to you about it and you're afraid to amen it. That's all right. You don't have to amen that. I know it's the truth. I can amen myself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying that's what bad a shape we're in. 
We're more concerned over a business meeting than people going to hell. That's how bad the shape we're in. And I don't take that personal. I, 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 I promise you I don't. I love, I love everybody. I don't take that personal. I'm the world's worst at about any formal thing you could possibly do. I'm terrible at it. Uh, especially when I'm uncomfortable at it. I make uncomfortable jokes and make everybody uncomfortable. I know that. <laughs> but hey, it'll be all right. We'll get it worked out. What won't be all right is when we stand up in heaven and we hear people screaming and they're crying and they're crying out. You should have told me that there was a place that was called hell and I was going to go. And we're fighting over a business meeting. Nobody said, Brother Clint, hey, why, did, why haven't you gathered us together to go out on visitation? Not heard one complaint about visitation. Now, it's COVID. I understand that. But come on now. Don't die off on me. This is how bad. Listen, I'm not trying to tell. This goes on. This this is a picture of most independent Baptist churches. That's what you hear about. When they complain about their church. Well, I tell you one thing. My pastor, they'll complain about their pastor. I wonder how how many times they called him that week to try to encourage him that week. Well, my pastor won't even call me. Well, why don't you grow up a little bit and call him? You got a phone, works both ways, don't it? Come on now. Woo! We need a little backbone. We need to just grow up on a little bit and get the devil off our back. Listen, I'm telling you what that stuff is. That is the devil just trying to destroy and cause division and to cause tension and to cause all kinds of... I'm telling you, the devil is a master liar and he's trying to do everything he can to put a schism, to put division in the body of Christ. And then, and then the spirit's grieve and we can't worship God because the spirit's grieve because you're mad over businessmen. Well, let's worry about sinners going to hell first and we'll fix the rest of it along the way. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, we got to get that down. Hey, and you know what? The first step I would take, I'd call the man that was in charge of them if it was me. I'd quit calling everybody else complaining about it. I'd call the man who's pretty open for the uh, discussion about it and let him know he might, he might agree with you. He might just not know any better. Amen. No, wouldn't you say that's right? Amen. Amen. Now, we got sidetracked on that. But listen, Nehemiah gets a clear picture of just how bad things are. They've gotten complacent. They did a little good. They got the foundation built. They got discouraged again. They quit. God raised up some men, got them encouraged again. They got, finally got the temple built. Guess what happens? Opposition, they get discouraged again. That is a Baptist church down there, Brother Reed, I'm telling you. It's what we, you ever get discouraged? I'm telling you, I'm that way. I, I'm on fire. I can charge hell with a water pistol. And then I'll wake up tomorrow and think, oh, man. Boy, I don't know. God, are you there? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We just get discouraged. We get in these battles and we fight. We've got intention. And every, the best of us are able to get taken captive. We're at the, the, not taken captive. The best of us are able to be used of the enemy if we let our guard down. And so it's what happens. They, they, they get in that thing and they, uh, then, then they, I can see what's happened. They're probably fussing about how it's being done. And, uh, and I know how all that works. But they get the temple built and thank the Lord for that. Uh, and then they just kind of relax and they get, they get kind of relaxed a little bit. God 
God raises up Ezra, and we know what goes on there. And then he raises up Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is being told, listen, I know they got the temple built. I know that's great and everything. But here's the reality of what's really going on down there. They're messed up. That's the report that he gets. The gates are burned with fire. The walls are down. It's, it's bad. And boy, Nehemiah, he don't just take off and get a stirred emotionally. Can I, can I caution you against something? If it was God, it'll last longer than the revival meeting. You older ones shaking your head know what I'm talking about. I'm an emotional person. I know none of you knew that, but I, I'm going to let you in on that, okay? My makeup has tendency to be a little emotional. Good and bad. <laughs> you can get stirred up in a revival meeting and get emotional about something and have every intention on doing it, but then the revival meeting's over and you go back to listening to Leonard Skinner. Now what happened? And so what you got people doing is they're chasing revival meetings. You shouldn't need a revival meeting to be a Christian. Right? And I'm for them. I won't have as many as we can have. What we need is a true burden from God Almighty. And that's what happens here. Four months go by. I've seen people get stirred up and say, Pastor, I, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do this. Uh, and uh, uh, then, you know, in, uh, in, at, a, at a week later, uh, all of a sudden, they don't want to do it anymore. Uh, you know, that stuff can happen. You have to be careful with your emotions. Has anybody ever remember that uh, little family that had come through with them Filipinos? Y'all remember his name. If I could say his name, you'd know who I'm talking about. And, buddy, they could sing. I'd give them everything I had. I'd give them the title of my car. That's the way they could work on your emotions. What I'm saying is what happened here with Nehemiah was more than emotion. Now you young people listen because you're, you're in a time of your life too when you have a lot of emotion going on. And it's fine. It's normal. It's part of the process of you growing. But that's why you got a dad and a mom to rely on. You can't trust your emotion. They'll come and go. Up and down. In and out. That's why you lean on your daddy and lean on your mama. Don't trust your emotions to be up and down. You're ready to smack somebody one minute and love them the next minute. Nehemiah was burdened with this thing for four months. He was praying and fasting to God. Four months all by himself. He didn't tell nobody about this burden. That's what we need in our churches nowadays. Churches, we need people. Listen, our problem is not people out here that aren't dressing right or not dressing up to your standard and your codes of conduct and they don't look like what you want them to look like. That's not the problem with most Baptist churches. Mo the problem with most of our Baptist churches is we've lost, the, 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 the people of God have lost a real burden. We don't have a burden. When we make statements like, well, they just need to go on anyway. We've lost a burden. I don't want to see people go. We've lost a burden, weeping over people, praying for them. This is what happens in Nehemiah. Look quickly, we got to go. I've spent too much time on that. I want to look at this man's prayer. This man's prayer is probably one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible. This, this man's prayer is almost a, you, you, there's almost a verse in every line of this prayer, this man's praying the Word of God back. 
You look at every word. You can find verses in the Bible for nearly every line, every sentence of this man's prayer. This man is a man that hid the Word of God in his heart. And when he was praying, he was praying the Word of God. See, that's what I think makes the big difference. His, his prayer was founded upon the purposes and promises of God. He knew God wanted those walls rebuilt. Church, God wants our church flourishing in unity. He wants, our, he wants sinners being saved. He wants us rejoicing. He wants us uh, uh, glad and happy uh, to be at church. He wants us to be so happy we're inviting people to come. Boy, I love my church. You'd love it there. And uh, we, he wants that kind of spirit back in our hearts again. That's what God wants. Amen that. Come on now. God wants us excited about being here. There's more people excited about what's going on on Friday nights in a couple of weeks. I've seen more posts on Facebook about I could care less if they cancel the football season, the NFL, the pro, the college, you high school kids, I could care less. Because in eternity, God could care less how far you can throw a piece of leather. <laughs> Now, I might watch a few of them because I still like to watch them. But come on now. We're dying. Churches are dying. There's no burden for sinners. We, we just come sometimes, want to be entertained. We're not really concerned. We, there's, we've lost our burden for each other. Say, well, Brother Clint, you're attacking us. No, I'm just preaching. I promise I'm not. Just, just don't put the shoe on if it don't fit. Sometimes it's preventative maintenance is good for you. <laughs> It'd be good for me to do some of that to my vehicle sometimes. You'd have less problems for Brother Reed and Brother Michael to fix if I'd, if I'd do a little preventative maintenance on it. Hey, Miss Barbara, we need a real burden for sinners, don't we? I've seen you burdened over sinners. I've seen you weep and cry over people lost without God. We need that by. Y'all remember those days? Seems like a distant memory to a degree. Hey, you young people, what if one of you got stirred up? One man, one person right here, Nehemiah, one person, just got a burden. He's not even there yet. He's just under a load. Oh, God, I can't stand to see my own people that way. How about some of y'all getting stirred up? How about, some, how about some of y'all getting a real burden for your families, weeping and crying and begging God to help you? How about some of that? Hey, you think if you're saved, God will hear you just as good as he'll hear me? Probably better sometimes, my attitude. Isn't that right, Brother Ronnie? Sometimes I think God will hear these youngins more than he'll hear us sometimes. I say, well, not me. Why don't you be the one? How about you, young lady? Hey, there are a dime a dozen out here. There's very few left that really just want God. I wonder if we stood up tonight, and I know I'm kind of rambling and it's scattered, and I, I apologize for that. I'm just trying to give you my heart. What if we stood up here tonight, and these men that are in this building, I'd say three-quarters of you, if I said who made the biggest impact on your life, I'd say that I'd say most every one of you would probably say they'd be a woman. It'd be your mama, a grandmother, your wife. A woman made an impact on your life. 
And I don't know where it's come in independent churches that somehow women are second class. I, God, that's not in the Bible. The resurrected Savior revealed himself to ladies. For if he be not raised and you're yet in your sins, our faith is vain. The most important hinging part of the gospel. He revealed himself to ladies. You ladies are important. No telling, Miss Chloe. It ain't, ain't no telling. Ain't no telling. No telling what God hear your prayers. No telling what God do. Hey, that excites me. I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit. I'm just trying to feel my way out. But that excites me. To think that the God that created everything could hear my prayer. Does that excite you a little bit? And I could get down on my knees. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we all got serious about praying and serious about revival and we got to pray and that thing broke out? No telling what God do in this church again. I've heard many of you tell me stories about that old building. And you know how much I appreciate them. But you know what I want, Miss Beth? I want some stories in here, the new building. I know you do, Brother E. We've talked about it. I want to see some new stories. Josh, I want to see, Jeremy, I want to see some new stories. I want some new stories. I want God. God's the same today as he's always been. I'd like to see y'all's football team. Every one of them get saved and get in here. I'd love to see it. Get right with God. What else is there? What, what else is out there in life? <laughs> well, we're done. Man, well, we've always got Wednesday. Unless Jesus comes and you won't have to listen to me anymore. I wonder if Jesus will preach to us up there. Can you imagine what, Miss Snow, can you imagine what he might sound like preaching? Have you ever thought about that? You're not going to have to listen to me anymore. You'll be able to hear Jesus preach. Can you imagine what that'd be like? Can you, and you maybe many of you have, can you read with me? I'm going to tell you something. God's stirring my heart for prayer. And I know we've got this COVID stuff going on. And I've tried my best, and I'm still trying my best to try to navigate the craziness of what to do with all that. But my heart is burdened with prayer. If, if, we, if we don't get in here and start praying, we got Brother Gravely supposed to be here in the middle of September. And God's stirring my heart. If we don't get down here to this church and corporately come down here and pray together, you know what my biggest fear is? He comes and preaches a little old message. Somebody might shout. One person might testify. Then we all go home. And we leave the same as we were. Do you get tired of that too, Brother Ray, sometimes? You just, I want more. Do you want more? I'm thirsty for God to do something different. I'm tired of the mundane. I, I want to see, see the miraculous. And as God not said, God didn't save us to put us in church and to leave us powerless. We've got promises grounded upon in this Bible in which to pray and say, God, we need the convicting power of God in this church. We need sinners. We need sinners to fall into conviction. We need people to get right. We, God, we need your love. We need you. There are promises in this Bible. It's what God wants for us. We're just praying his will. Amen. Man, this prayer. Can I read you one? Let now thine ear be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mightest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. 
for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And boy, that's a good place to start. We're, we're done, but we're, I think we might continue at least through that first chapter um, and look through that prayer because my heart stirred up. And we know this. This is very basic stuff. But look at where he starts there, brother. He starts off with, he's not better than anybody. He says, we've sinned. From the pulpits to the pews, we've all messed up. Right? He doesn't act like he's better God than people. Get them, you know. They're <laughs> no, 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 no. We all have a part in the condition of where the church is today. Right? Wouldn't you say that's pretty accurate? And, uh, and that's how he starts that prayer. And we won't do it tonight. I, I don't want to do that to you. But as, as if you want to read ahead of me, we'll read down, continue to read on that. Many of you have many times. But we want to read at some of the... I just want to take some practical looks at Nehemiah's prayer there. and how, Because I, I want God to prepare us for revival. And um, I'm going to try as many as you can come. I know many of you can't. Please don't take that in any way. And when you hear preachers up here that stand up here and say things about you not coming to church because you're worried about it, you don't, they're not your pastor. So you can file 13 those comments. I'm here to tell you if you're worried about it or you're sick, you don't need to be here. Right? It just makes me cringe sometimes when they attack people. They don't know what, well, that just makes me irritated. Be like somebody coming after your sheep or something. You know what, Brother Reed, you don't want But listen, I know many of us can't do that. But what we can do, and many of us that will, we're going to call prayer meetings. We're going to start, Saturday we'll start prayer back up. But then we're probably going to meet every single night at 7 o'clock. And we can, we can spread out in here. We got pretty good... A lot of them can't. A lot of you can't because you work. But I want you to buy. I want you to uh, uh, to come together with us and commit together that we are going to pray together. I want to see God change some things, don't you? I want Him to change my heart, my family, the church. I mean, we are in need of some help. And so let's bind together and pray. And I'll be putting that out for all of us so we know. But I do know this much. Um, We've been, God's preparing us for battle and in verses in Acts 4, I mean in, in 1 Peter 4, because when you start praying, the battle's going to be on. <laughs> so we've got to be ready to arm our minds and go through those things. Lord, we love you. Uh, take this scattered message here tonight and help some soul, uh, saint or, or lost person, either one, uh, that stands in need of you tonight. We're all poor and needy. We all have a great need of the help of God. Uh, we've all seemingly lost our uh, burdens and tears for lost sinners. Lord, we've even lost our burdens somewhat for each other. We've, this COVID has put so much distance between us and caused so many different imaginations and all kinds of things. Lord, you know what we're made of, and we're, we're a mess. Now, I'm asking you to help us now. Clear our hearts and minds and help us to think soberly and to watch unto prayer and give us a burden again. A real burden to see people saved. And Lord, I pray for this church that you'd help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And I want to pray for those in this morning that were listening to the preaching. That Lord may be under conviction and dealt with about salvation but didn't come. I pray you'd give them space for repentance and deal with them again, Lord, please, about this matter of salvation. We love you. Thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you want to come, now you come. The altar's open. You can join these and come. 
and we'll have Brother Reed's going to sing a song. If you need to come, now you